Well, let's continue on with our series on the kingdom of God and the 12 principles of the kingdom of God. Pastor Kevin is, is this one of his passion points, and uh, you can tell that he just loves teaching on the kingdom of God. And uh, Pastor Kevin and Sherry are getting away for uh, a week or more uh, to the cottage with their family, enjoying some R&R. So can you remember them in your prayers this week and just bl- pray a blessing on them that God would just bless their socks off, their children, their grandchildren, that they would just have fun uh, camping uh, in the wild. And, and when I say wild, it means they have a, probably a really nice cottage with air conditioning and everything. So just remember them. Pastor Barry and Tammy are away there in uh, Winnip- uh, Edmonton, uh, Battle for Canada, a national prayer event, and uh, helping lead that and believing and praying for a new day for this nation, working through areas of reconciliation and issues. And so we're so proud of them. We love them so much. And so they'll be returning, but they're out uh, in that part of the country this week. And uh, today, uh, we are going to jump into a new principle, one of my favorite principles, and uh, it worked perfectly with the stories that, that Mark was sharing because we're going to learn about servant-based leadership today. It's a principle of the kingdom of God, and it's a key power gift. And I call it power uh, because when, in our, in our, when we say belong, believe, and become, you know that third word is what? become. This principle will help you uh, unleash your gift and will help activate the kingdom of God in your life. Because a lot of time we love to belong, we love to connect, we love to believe, we love to activate our faith. But when it comes time to getting things done, how many know that Christianity is not just words? It's not just talking. The world wants to know, will you act on your words? And this is the third step. Servant-based leadership is about becoming an answer and a solution to real-world problems outside the church. So this is a passion area for me. I like to uh, read to you Mark chapter 1, 14 uh, through 15. It says this, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So here we are to learn the basics of the kingdom of God. Jesus's message was the kingdom is now. Repent, get your life in order because there's a new sheriff in town. And when I say new sheriff in town, it's not like because uh, the, the, the law man is here to push you down. What it's saying is there's a new king in town and there's a new authority and there's a new freedom and there's a new blessing and a new redemption in town. But you need to repent or change your mind and change your life. Come out from under the old kingdom authority and come into the new kingdom authority. That's what we call repentance. When you humble yourself and accept Christ into your life. See, for a long time, I thought service and service-based leadership was a way to gain favor with God. I thought serving was to earn But in the kingdom, we serve to learn, not earn. I used to believe that we used to serve to gain notoriety, to gain accolades, to to get people to notice. Do you ever want people to notice you? I, I know I did. I know I still do. But in the kingdom, we don't serve to make ourselves famous. We serve to make the Father famous. We serve to let people know about the kingdom of God. 
When, when Mark and his ministry is in the schools, he doesn't come with a banner of his last name and running around trying to gain accolades for himself. He serves other people, and then they ask, why do you do this? And then he can talk about his Father in heaven and his Savior, Jesus Christ, and his Comforter, the Holy Spirit. In the kingdom, we don't serve to gain or to solidify our identity. We serve because of whose we are, not to gain who we are. In the kingdom, we're dearly beloved children of God. And because of that, we can freely serve. But how many of you, like myself, spend a lot of time trying to serve to earn a place in God's kingdom? I remember going to university and our motto was developing servant leaders for the marketplaces of the world to influence them for God's purposes. And that's a beautiful mission statement. And so I became the best servant I could. And I served and I served. And how many know you can serve your way right to the empty tank? It's called burnout. You can lose relationships, money. You can just keep serving. Because nobody told me there was a different place besides serving. I thought serving was the top. Because there's a lot of Bible verses that say serving is the top. But it's not the full gospel. And I've shared this with some of you before, but let me clearly state it again. There's only three tables you can live from in this earth. There's three tables you can eat from. You can eat at the table over here, which is a slave table. You can eat at this table right here, which is a servant table. Or you can eat at a table right there, which is a son table, son or daughter. You have to pick what table you're going to eat from. Slave, servant, or son. One serves because he has to. One serves because he gets paid to. And one serves because he gets to. Has to, paid to, gets to. When Mark and I go into the schools, we're in the get to mode. The teachers say, can you do this or this or provide this? We say, yes. We're so glad you asked. And they said, okay, well, how are we going to do that? And we'll say, well, well, we'll pay for it. They said, you will? Well, of course we will. Because we get to. We're there on mission. We're serving. It's not a drag or a problem. It's an opportunity. What table are you serving from? I spent most of my life serving from the servant table. And it's like a duty because it's the Christian thing to do. And maybe I get paid, maybe I don't, but it's the right thing to do. And, and then if I do a really good job, God will like me and that'll go well for my life. You know, that's not in the gospel. That's a man-made servant model. The Bible says if you want greatness, you must become the greatest servant you know. And if you want to become the greatest servant, then you must become the healthiest son or daughter that you know. Next week, we're going to go deeper into the school of sonship. That's table one over here. That's where it all begins. This is a two-part series. So next week, we'll go deeper into that school of sonship. But today, we're going to stay in this school of servanthood because it's a blessed school. See, if you see yourself as a son or daughter, are you going to serve differently than if you see yourself as a slave or a hired hand? Who are you to God? How does the Father see you? 
Now, somebody help me out. What are, what are, what's, who's the next uh, young prince in line for the, the royal throne in England? Prince Charles, and who's after that? William. So let's use Prince William as, as an example. When he goes to serve, which table does he serve from? I have to. I get paid to. I, I have a feeling that when he shows up at a charity event, do you think he has a wallet? Do you think he's worried about the donation for that year? You know, he has whole private offices and accountants and CPAs running the amount of money that they give away every year. That's really what the royal family does is pick charities and fly around the world and give money away for a full-time job. He doesn't carry cash. He doesn't need it. He knows whose he is. He knows he's in the royal line of authority, affection, and provision. He just shows up and writes the check. He doesn't even write the check. He just smiles and says, how much? Quarter of a million, half a million? They just say numbers. You got to know what table you're living from. Are you a son or daughter of God? Are you a royal child of God? What table are you going to serve from? See, here's a few benchmarks for servant leadership in the kingdom. Number one, you cannot have an agenda. I call it no agenda. When you come to serve someone outside this church, do not come with an agenda. Because as a servant, the only mandate you have is that of your master. Who's your master? I love this verse in Psalm 123 too. It says, unto you I lift my eyes, and O you who dwell in the heavens, behold, as the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. It reminded me of the day that my brother, my younger brother got married before me, and I was his best man. It was the first time I'd ever been a best man in a wedding. And that's when this verse came alive. Because the whole day on my brother's wedding, was it about me? What was my one job that entire day? To serve my brother. And my eyes were like this, focused. Did he need water? Did he need food? Did, was his suit ready? Where are the rings? Was everything in location? Was his car ready? My whole day was one job, to serve my brother. That is our calling. As servants of God, we have one master. And our, that's why it simplifies. All we have to do is focus on what he's asking us to do. We don't have to get pulled away by the lusts of our flesh and the, 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 the lies of our culture because we have one master, God the Father. We can't serve two masters. In Matthew chapter 6, it says, For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Matthew six twenty four. So the world is watching to see if we are going to serve them or we're serving to serve us. Are you serving people without an agenda? Or are you trying to get something back every time you go in? Do you have an angle when you go in for stuff? You know, I, I'm going to provide this, but I was wondering if you could provide that. That's not how it works in the kingdom. Because you come from table one, a royal line of authority, you don't need anything. So you come and just freely say, I'm here 
How can I help you? Five words. You show up, you smile. Everyone say smile. No one likes a grumpy servant because that's the, that's the tables over here. You, you know, you got that sourpuss face and you're, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here to help. You're not helping anybody with a frown. You're tearing down the culture of their organization. You show up with the joy of the Lord as your strength. And you can even say, you know what? I've had a rough day, but I'm, I'm choosing to know that my day and believing that it's going to end better than it started. And put a smile on your face. It's a choice. Because how many know grumpy pants is not going to help the atmosphere of the room? So you better check yourself in the car before you get in there because you can choose your attitude. People were attracted to Jesus Christ for a reason. Are people attracted to you? See, most of us spend time thinking that our life is about ourselves. You know that it's not. I think I was about 40 years old when I finally, God said, guess what? It's not about you. I was like, oh, really? I don't know about you, but it took me 40 years to figure that out. I was thinking, oh, Mark's going to do this. Mark's going to do that. I'm going to do this ministry. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make a difference for God. I'm going to do this. God, what are we doing next? Rah, rah, rah. You know, get my assignment for the Lord. And then God started showing me other things. I'm like, well, God, where am I in this picture? He said, this isn't about you. This is about the next generation. Your job is to come alongside those and make them successful. I'm like, oh, oh, maybe this is how it's supposed to work. But I don't think until you're probably in your 40s, you're going to find that because you're still thinking you're at the center, which is not all wrong because God's more got you in a training school to get you ready. But there's a shift that happens when you stop serving yourself and you begin to realize that you're here on this planet for other people. And it's very freeing. There's a famous packet, passage in Mark chapter 10 when James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want for you to do whatever we ask. And Jesus said to them, What do you want me to do? And they said, Grant us that we might sit on your right hand and on your left in your glory. And Jesus said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? They said, Sure we are. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink this cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard this, they became to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and they great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. If you ever have the temptation to lord it over and just control and dominate and tell people what to do, just know you're not in the right kingdom. You're eating from the wrong table. We need to come in choosing to humble ourselves, and we ask that, how can I help you? And then listen. How many know it takes time to listen and build trust? How many know you don't need to go save the planet in like three days on your special program? It takes time to build bridges of trust, which is another kingdom principle we'll get to later this year. Take your time, do it correctly, ask them how you can help, and then listen. 
Once you've actively listened, then you take action. See, this is a word that I think Jesus is asking you today. Jesus is saying, will you serve me as I have served my father? Will you serve me as I have served my father? How did Jesus serve his father? He served him without strings attached. In fact, he gave his own life. And I think here's some of the potholes. You know, have you ever seen those big potholes when you're out in the county and you hit one of those and you hope that your tire survived going through it? Well, here's a pothole that I think we need to avoid when we get to servant-based leadership. And I'm going to call it, I'm going to call it the young goat mentality. Here it is. Well, I've been in this table number two and I've been serving so hard and you guess, and oh man, look at these other people over here. They're getting all these blessings and favor. Look at my life going down the tubes, but yet I work just as hard as anyone. And I still, oh, all I get, I don't even get this little young goat. And this guy over here gets the fattened calf. He gets the promotion. He gets the car. He gets the nice house. And here I am stuck. But God, I've been serving you. I've been faithful. And I've had a horrible attitude the whole time, but I've still been doing it. I've been trying my hardest. And maybe I've got an inch. But why do these people seem so much happier than me? And that's what happened to the older brother in the parable of the, of the, of the lost sons. They, because in Luke chapter 15, the older brother was up in the hill working and he heard the party of the younger brother and, and he got mad. He said, why are they partying for that loser, for that guy who was a sinner? And the dad had to come out and have a little chat with him. And father wants to have a chat with us and say, and, 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 the, and the older brother said, hey, I don't even get a young goat. You never even gave me a little goat to have with my friends to have a party. It was a woe is me type of settlement. Have you ever found yourself thinking this service thing isn't working out? I'm tired. I want to encourage you when that happens, know that you're in the wrong lane and you're eating from the wrong table. Because look, what does the father say? The father comes out to him and says, son, 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 son. How did he address him as a son? He said, son, you are always with me. That's called presence. That means God's always with you. Number two, how much of the father's things is that elder son? He said, all that I have is yours. So here the son thinks he doesn't even get a little goat. And the dad's trying to show him all the property in the land saying, son, all that I have is yours. See, we need to shift back to table one as a son, as a rightful heir and co-heir with Christ Jesus and say, thank you that I do not lack an area, any area of my life. I have everything I need as a servant today to bless those people in my life. I shall not lack because the Lord is my shepherd. When I go to work, I shall not lack. I will have energy at work. I'll have creative ideas and problem solving at my job God will give me wisdom because I do not lack because I come from my father's house and everything that he has is mine and everything that I have is his. This is the gospel. This is the family of God. So don't get stuck in the young goat mentality when you think this is all I've got. This is all I've got to show for it. 
That's a chance to repent and say, God, I'm sorry for thinking so smallly of your inheritance. And I switch. I don't think smallly. Is that a, that a word? Probably not. Okay. Think so little of what I have. Let's switch it to that. I choose to agree with you that my inheritance is now aligned with Jesus Christ. And I graciously receive it. See, servant leadership is so important because it's really how you see yourself. And how you see yourself is how you think God sees you. How does God see you? See, I used to come thinking I had to have all the answers myself. And if I worked really hard, then maybe God would bless it and it would work. And now hard work is great, but it needs to come from a position of knowing that you're already dearly loved son of God. See, this is how I picture us as, as servants coming to the, to the kingdom and coming into our culture and coming to work. Kingdom servants come with fat wallets. You know those big fat wallets full of cash? That's how we come as servants. Not to brag about how much money we have, but we come knowing that our resources aren't our own. They come from the Father. So we come with fat wallets full tool belts. You know, the carpenter, my dad was a carpenter. I got a tool belt, like after my first week of working, it's so fun to get those leather tool belts on. You get your hammer, your chuck, you know, your, your tape measure, and you put all that stuff in there. You just feel like a little man walking on the, the job site. You need to come thinking in your head that you have a full tool belt. I have everything I need to do what God's going to call me to do. And my favorite, you got to come with a cooler packed with a big lunch. How many of you love lunchtime at work? Oh, yeah. Most of you don't, but I do. Lunch has always been fun. Ever since elementary school, I love lunch. See, when you come to work, I know what Ryan, Ryan knows what I'm talking. You bring the big cooler in. You don't mess around. People go, what's in that thing? I said, well, I got to eat. You got two or three sandwiches. You got that thing loaded up. You come ready when you come to serve. Because you know it's not just about you. You've got more than enough, and you can share, right? You can help other people. You've got a fat wallet, a big tool belt, and a big cooler. And you're looking for opportunities to bless people. You're looking for ways for your overflow to get onto somebody else. The fun way to do it is to do it in the drive-thru and pay for someone behind you. And just take a, take a risk. Say, I'm going to buy that person behind me. And I did it this last week. It was $1.25 for a coffee. It's funny because it's $1.25. I don't know if it'll always be that, but it's fun. Try it sometimes. Show your kids that you have more than enough. When your kids say, oh, can't we buy that, you know, 90-inch flat screen TV? Don't tell them you don't have enough money. Tell them, you know what? That's an idea. But we're choosing to invest and put our money in other uh, options right now because we think it's a better choice. And it's true, right? Like paying your bills, getting food on the table, saving for their school. Like as parents, we have to think through these things. Teach your kids that with God, there's enough. But we still have to make wise choices with what he gives us. And maybe that TV will come. Tell them to pray about it. Here's an important thing. Remember that the way I treat other people is the way that people assume that God will treat them. 
The way that Mark treats people in the schools is the way that people will assume that God will treat them. We are the reflection of Christ to people. We represent a kingdom. So when we show up, the way you act, your behavior reflects what people think God is like. That's kind of a big deal, isn't it? How are you doing? How's that going? When people around you are like, I am not ever going to do that church or go to that guy's life because that person is crazy. Not the good crazy. Are you so poor and cheap with your finances that people are like, I would never want to be a part of that church because that guy is so stingy that that would just be horrible time. Or maybe you complain too much. Like, if that's what their religion's like, no way am I going. You see how our lifestyle reflects what we believe about God. Now, we know Jesus is perfect, and he's never made a mistake, and he is a perfect example. But we're on a journey to get our souls to align with our spirit and to walk a mature life. It's so funny because as leaders, this is about leadership. As servant-based leaders, we, we talk about servanthood all the time, but really it's about, it's about leadership because we serve through leader, uh, we, we lead through servanthood. And we don't go around telling people, bossing people what to do. The picture I got is we get down on the, the ground, the dirt level, and we raise people up. We're never, we don't have such an important title that we can't get down in the dirt. Get down with people, nice and low, and help Push them up. Don't worry about climbing your ladder. You're going to switch to a different kingdom mentality. You're going to build ladders for other people. You're going to hold ladders for other people. We don't need to be successful. We already are successful. When you're a child of God, what more do you need? What title is there higher than a son or daughter of God? What are you so looking for that you're still not happy? Contentment is found in receiving the love of God through adoption as children. I love this quote by Dwight D. Eisenhower, the the five-star general and 34th U.S. president. He said this, you don't lead by hitting people over the head. That's assault, not leadership. We're We're not out there barking orders and telling people all this. That's not leadership. Leadership is calling people higher and modeling and showing people the way giving help solutions. So let's just review a few points about servant-based leadership today. Number one, we don't arrive with an agenda. Our only agenda is to serve our master. We only have one mandate, one master. So don't come with an agenda. We come to bring the kingdom values to wherever we go. Number two, we serve from our identity, not to gain our identity. Remember, you're not trying to become this really good servant and I'll be a servant of God. No, we come from the position of sonship and we're well able to serve. We serve as sons and daughters. Fourth, we don't strive for position or titles because we've already been given the highest title, the child of God. So you Put your striving away. Now, you can still work hard. You can still have goals and all that. You can still co-labor with God. But it's not to get a title because you already have the highest title. You can relax and rest in that. It was about four years ago 
that this revelation hit me, that I had the highest title as a position of a child of God, not by what my work title is. It just hit me like a load of bricks. And so how many know sometimes when you have a revelation, understand you want to tell somebody about it. And so I went into Pastor Kevin's office and I remember sitting down in his office and I said, Pastor Kevin, I need to talk to you about something. And I said, you know, I realized that as a child of God, as a son of God, it doesn't really matter about my titles anymore. He said, that's true. I said, therefore, that affects how I see myself as a servant of God and as a pastor. He said, okay. I said, so where I'm going with this, from now on, because I'm a son, as, as a servant of this church and working alongside you as a pastor and an under-shepherd, I don't care what I do, how I do it, what my title is, or what department, doesn't matter anymore. I don't care what I do. You can sign me up for janitorial. You can sign me up for kids ministry. You can sign me up for youth. You can sign me up for missions. I don't care because now I'm a child of God and I can do anything I want under your authority because my identity is not in what I do. It's who I am from the father. So it frees you up. You can just serve and smile. And, you know, Pastor Kevin was gracious and he didn't make me head custodian that day. I got to serve that way during COVID, but it was, it was, I was sharing my heart with him, in other words. I was saying, I get it. We're free now. I'm no longer going to be labeled by my titles. I'm labeled by my father who loves me. So we are to be characterized by our attitude of joy in our serving because we know we're beloved sons and daughters. And we'll jump into more of this next week, but there's three letters, three words that have really helped me. This is a test to see how you're doing. Okay, so this is how most of we do it. We have do, have, and be. We do things, and when we do things, we have things. Once we have things, the world says we are something or we be. You do a lot of things, then you have a lot of things. Once you have things, people go, wow, look at that person. And then, so now you're a somebody. But in the kingdom of God, it's opposite. In the kingdom of God, we are someone. We start as a someone. Because we're a someone, we have everything we need. And because we have everything we need, we can do anything God asks us to do. So, are we be, have, do? That's the one I like. You already are a son or daughter of God, so I have everything I need according to the riches of Christ Jesus so I can do anything that he calls me to do. Otherwise, we're fighting to do stuff to earn something when we already have it. So we'll go deeper into that next week, into the school of sonship, because I believe that this church should be a model of servanthood to our city. When someone says, oh, you go to Desert Stream, they say, oh, isn't that the church that... And then all the solutions, all the things that we do to help just should be a natural overflow of what we do. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning as we close? If you'd like prayer for anything in your life this morning, please come forward. We'd be happy. Mike and I, there's many people here that'll pray for you if you need a physical healing. Anything in your life, please don't run out if you want prayer. But I know that you guys are identified as servants of the living God. And our church is prime set up to be released, to be God's instruments in this culture. So, Father, I pray right now for 
this church and these people and those who are online. God, help us to serve as free, liberated sons and daughters of God. Help us to serve with our tool belts completely filled, with our wallets completely full, and our lunch bags and our coolers fully packed. That we will not lack, but we will go out with plenty and abundance and share and help people solve their problems with the joy of the Lord. So I pray that blessing over every individual. Let laughter be in their homes, God, as they bring love and solutions to their city, to their neighborhood, to their families. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you guys are beautiful people. Have a great week. And if you've signed up with your Realm account, make sure to check in out in the foyer and get your free gift. But have a great day, and we'll see you next week.